Hello, this is Brian Lane, lead pastor of FAM Church, and this is our podcast. To kick off the new year, we are looking at things that cause us to be triggered, things that cause us to get upset and ruin our day, our week, or our year. They don't have to do that, so join us as we work at keeping our jobs from triggering us. New year, it's time to get excited about this, and we're starting a new series. Come on, Maurice. Uh, We're starting a new series called Triggered, all right? And... uh, the, uh, the series name actually comes from a name by a series Stephen Furtick did. However, my messages are completely different. He did things that triggered Jesus. We're going to do things that trigger us in this message, okay? And so that's what we're going to be looking at. This is like what we call a topical study. And so most of the time, we go into one section of Scripture and kind of go through it and break it down. But this is going to be more jumping around the Bible, different verses to make a point. And so if you're new to the church, if you're new to the Bible and stuff like that, don't worry, we're not going to get you lost. All the verses will be on the screen behind me for you to follow along. But uh, we're going to be doing this for the next few weeks, and we're going to be looking at things in our life that can cause us to be triggered. And so you're saying to yourself maybe, why would I use the word triggered? Well, we all know what a trigger is, right? Everybody know what a trigger is? Yeah, it's that piece on a gun that if you pull it, what happens? The gun goes off, right? Well, in our life, the things that trigger us are the things that treat us like a trigger on a gun and cause us to go off. And so we can think of all kinds of things that can trigger us, right? Try having a political discussion with somebody. You'll get people triggered real fast. One of the things I discovered when I was in college and graduate school is having any sort of theological discussion about God will trigger people really fast. The one that would trigger people super fast was, what version of the Bible should you use? Okay? And this was back 20 years ago. And so the holiest people used the King James. People less holy like me used the NIV. And it was always an argument. I stayed away from that sort of stuff because it just drove me crazy. Another thing that can trigger us is the way people drive. Anybody with me on that one? The way people drive. All right. We've got got some people in the house that are with me on that can trigger us. Then there's more personal reasons that we we can be triggered. And so we're going to look at a few of those and we're going to hit on a couple of big ones in this series. And one of the things that can trigger us is our jobs. And I think most of us can understand why this is the case, right? There are many things that happen at our shift at work that can cause us to get triggered, okay? Um, Think about the employee who, while you're working your butt off, is just kind of sitting there doing nothing, doing the bare minimum that they can to get by. Does that trigger anyone in the house today? All right, it triggers me. Okay, how about those people who come in late and leave early? Meanwhile, you're there for the whole shift, and you're saying to yourself, what is the problem? Does that trigger anybody in the house today? How about that supervisor that should not be leading people, let alone an organization, but they're in charge of you? Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. All right. Maybe we're overworked and underpaid. Anybody there? All right. And then you can always talk about those customers, right? Anybody who works with people in the public knows that customers can and will be just plain mean, okay? 
They can't find something. Something goes wrong. Something happens. And they will let you know just how terrible a person you are. There are all kinds of reasons that can set us off. This has been around since work has started. And some of you may even remember this. It was the basis of a song from country music in 1997, ironically written by a guy named Johnny Paycheck, called Take This Job and Shove It. Okay? Followed ironically by a movie with the same title. So how do we cope with this? How do we handle being in a place where we just want to tell our boss, take this job and shove it, because all our job does is trigger us? And so some of you are probably thinking the best way to do this is to hit the lottery, have a rich relative die and you inherit a bunch of money, or you get a settlement because Publix forgot to put up a wet floor sign on aisle five, and as you walked through there, you slipped and fell down. In other words, if we get out of the workforce, everything is going to be so much better. Well, the first thing that I want to say in talking about work is that it is a part of God's plan, and it has been since the beginning. Okay? God did not create us to sit around with billions of dollars in our bank account and do nothing all day. Some people say, well, I think we had to work because humankind fell into sin and and that's why we had to work. No, before any of that serpent and apple stuff happened in Genesis, we have this in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. It says this, the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. See, we have this idea that when Adam and Eve were here on this earth, that all they did was they sat down and, you know, there was a monkey above them that dropped grapes in their mouth. And, you know, there was, there, there, you know, if they, they wanted something else to eat, you know, the corn out in the field, they would, some armadillo would go out there, put it on its back and crawl, you know, like the ancient version of Grubhub was going on. And all they did was chill. No, that's not how it works, okay? From the beginning, mankind was created to work. Man had to work the Garden of Eden to get the fruits from it, okay? And so the only time that we should be trying to find a way out of work is when we hit retirement age. See, God created us to work. It was part of his plan for us from the beginning, so escaping work is not going to solve our problems. Now, there's still others that think, well, the problem is the ultimate boss that I serve. What do I mean by that? Well, see, Adam was working the fields because God told him to. He was working ultimately for God, and they figure that if they get a job working for God, like in or with a church, that everything will be amazing. It's this idea that there's this secular world, this secular job, and then there's this sacred job, and and and. We have to do one of the two, and if we were in the sacred realm rather than the secular realm, everything will be okay. Well, here's the deal. Nowhere in the 66 books of the Bible does God, Jesus, or anyone else make a distinction between working for him and working for others. See, there is no sacred and secular work in the Bible. The only thing that the Bible talks about is work. And I could give you a brief history lesson on that topic, but I will refrain. This sacred-secular deal is a division that we, the people of God, have come up with because we have our, uh, this idea in our heads that life is divided up into those two parts. We have the sacred things that we do, like pray, spend time with God's Word, and go to church. Then we have the secular things that we do. We go to school, we shop, we raise our family, and we work. See, that's not how God set up our world. Everything is sacred. 
He tells us in Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. See, that means none of our life is divided up into sacred and secular. Okay? Our families are done and raised for the Lord. School is done for the Lord. Sports that we pray, play are done for the Lord. Our shopping is done for the Lord. Driving our car and our jobs are done for the Lord. Wherever we are at and whatever we're doing, it needs to be viewed as being done for the Lord because everything that we do is sacred. So when you walk into your job, you are not doing your job for Polk County Public Schools. You are not doing your job for Jeff Bezos. You are not doing your job for some other boss or supervisor that you have. But every time we walk into our work, we are doing it for Jesus. And see, this is the first thing that we need to remember in our employment. And nothing is going to get better if we think to ourselves, my job is a burden in life that I have to carry. And you're probably thinking to yourself, well, that's easy for you to say. You work here at a church and you don't have to deal with the stuff I have to deal with. Can I tell you something? Dealing with Christians every day is not always all that pleasant. I've been cursed at. I've been told what a jerk I was. And I've been told I'm not a Christian because of I told them no in regards to something they wanted in life. What I do, what you do, is a gift from God. It's a ministry, and that is the perspective we should have when we head to work. And so the question that should flow out of that then is this. How well do I do my job at working, or no, how do I do my job? at working for the Lord because I'm on an assembly line. I cut grass all day long and there is nothing in this work to falls into what I would call Jesus work. And that's a great question. The most powerful and important way our job is a ministry is because our job usually serves as our mission field. See, God has put us in that place of work to serve as a light for who he is and the difference that he can make in someone else's life. We are, in our we are not in our jobs by accident. God has placed us there with a purpose. God has placed us there with a plan, and that purpose is not to make money. Yes, the money is necessary, and the money is good because we need it to function in life and survive in this world, but he has placed us in our jobs to be an influence for him, for his name, and for his glory. How do I know that? Well, Luke 8.16 says, No one lights a lamp and hides it in a jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, he puts it on a stand so that those who come can see the light. Then there is 1 Peter 2.9, which says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you might declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We are priests, it says there. It doesn't say we are priests when we are at church. Okay, It doesn't say we are priests when we take out our God cap and put our God cap on. The phrase that we just read from Peter is in what's called the present 
active, indicative, which means it's not just an event that happens at a point in time and it's over. What that means is this event happens at a point in time. That point in time is when we give our lives to Jesus. And then that action continues in the present for the rest of our lives. That means every day, everywhere we go, wherever we are at, we are a royal priest no matter what we are doing. So that, mean, so that means uh, um, we have to do all we can do to be a royal priesthood. And this is true in any area of life, but it's especially true in our job. Why? Because many, for many of us in this room, we spend as much time or more time at our jobs as we spend with our family. Here's the thing. Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, I am here 10 hours and awake at home for maybe 7 or 8 Wednesday, I'm here for 13 hours. Sunday is 8 to 10 hours, and Saturday can vary from 0 to 10 hours. And many of you have the same sort of schedule. So, and that means that work is where we are at most in life. And that's where we have the greatest opportunity to shine the brightest. Why? Because many of the people we work with are not followers of Jesus, but equally true for many of us is that the place that we try, um, it's the place that we also try to shine the least. We think that we should shine the brightest when we are here, but that's backwards. And our job would be a whole lot better, it would trigger us a whole lot less if we acted like a royal priest instead of a royal pain when we are at work. Because here's the deal, sometimes we cause our own triggering. We are not kind to certain people. We are not friendly because this is my job and I'm not here to make friends. Sure, I know that's not why you're there, but you're never going to be able, be able to be a royal priest to someone that you are not at least friendly with. We talk about people and cut people down instead of building, each, uh, building people up. We do our part to feed into the negative culture of our job. And if we were to stop and say, you know what, I'm a holy priest at this place, maybe some of those things would get better when we are there. And we would stop being triggered so much by our jobs. A friend of mine, he works as a waiter at a Perkins in the Minneapolis area, and uh, this guy has a bachelor's degree from the University of Minnesota, and one, at one point, he started his own company that manufactured electronics that actually they used on the space shuttle. Okay, so he's not a dummy. He sold a lot of stuff to NASA. He used to send me pictures uh, of paychecks that he would get from NASA, you know, and he thought it was so cool. Well, he's a waiter at Perkins now. Is that the most enjoyable job? Absolutely not, okay? And the shift he works, he works the overnight shift, the bar rush shift, the shift when all of the people who are drinking and clubbing and having a good time and doing all sorts of crazy stuff come in. And when, what happens when, crazy, when people are out being crazy and they come into a restaurant, they bring the crazy into the restaurant. I, mean, we were, I worked at one Perkins. It was Riverside in, in uh, South Minneapolis. And there was regular, regularly we had the cops there uh, during the bar rush because of guns in the lobby and guns in the restaurant. And it was an insane place to work. Um, but he wants to work there because he sees this as a place for him to be a royal priest. He's... He, uh, he's created this persona called Tom the Waiter. He has a Facebook page for this Tom the Waiter. And so that makes it legit, right? But he has a reason for doing this, though. 
See, he does it all because he knows that those people who are coming into the restaurant at 2 o'clock on a Friday night probably need some Jesus in their life. He knows that those people that he works with on a regular basis probably need some Jesus in their life. And so he uses this as an opportunity to shine as a royal priest, and he he has this course called the Alpha Course. You may have heard of it, you may not have, but it's a course that introduces people who don't know anything about Jesus to Jesus. And so he uses this job to be a royal priest to invite people who come in at the bar rushes and who who work at the job to come to this thing, and he introduces them to the claims of Christ. And because of this, He's able to make a difference, and he's seen many people come to faith because of it. And see, that's the same perspective that we should have in working our jobs and going into our jobs. Is we're a royal priest, and, and if we go in there and we do an act, what, the part that a royal priest would do when they are in a job in a situation like that, we probably won't be triggered as much. Another thing that will help us not to be triggered by our job is thankfulness. We should be thankful for the jobs that we have. I understand we want something better. We want something that pays more, better hours, better benefits. But here's the deal, though. Where we are trying to find that, we need to be thankful for what we have in the here and now. I think so many people are triggered at their jobs because they always talk down about it and never talk the job up. There's always a reason to complain and be ungrateful, but we need to find reasons to be thankful for our jobs. And this isn't just a principle that we can use in our jobs. This is something that we can apply to our everyday life. Life is going to give us a reason to complain every single day. But we need to take our eyes off of those things that we look at and that we see and that cause us to complain and move our eyes into the areas and the places that we have to be grateful for them. Your job pays your bills. Your job allows you to go out to eat after church. Your job gives you the gas you need, the vacations you take, the gifts that you buy. But it doesn't allow me to do what I want, when I want, regardless of the price. Join the club. There are very few people who actually live that life. A third thing that will help, us, help keep us from getting triggered is making sure that we are taking time away from our jobs. The United States, there's 194 countries in the world. The United States is in the top 20 for the most hours worked by the people. We're not the highest. I was surprised by this. Mexico is actually the country where people work the most hours, but on average, the the average American worker works more hours than most of the rest of the world. And here's the deal. We are not machines. We were not built to work and work and work and work. God knew that. And so he told us that we needed rest. He commanded us to take a day of rest every single week. Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11 says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your sons or daughters, nor your male nor female servants, nor your animals, nor any foreigners residing in your town. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy." 
That's the longest commandment in the Ten Commandments. I think it's because God wanted us to understand that we do need to take a time of rest. He rested, and so should we. And so if you are working seven days a week and not taking any days off to rest, let this be a warning to you that maybe you should take a day of rest every once in a while, like once a week, so that you won't be so triggered. But you don't understand, I got goals and I got money to make. Well, guess what? You keep burning the candle like that and you're not going to reach those goals anyways because you'll be dead or have a breakdown. Some of you fuel your life on coffee from McDonald's or Starbucks and energy drinks. See, those don't replace rest and can be part of the reason you're triggered in the first place. Do you know that caffeine may wake you up, but it also has negative side effects? Regular caffeine drinkers experience irritability, agitation, and anxiety as a side effect. The burst of alertness you feel after drinking a cup of coffee is followed by negative mood fluctuations, and the more coffee you drink, the worse they get. One study found that people drinking in excess of 1,000 milligrams of caffeine a day show uh, nervous symptoms almost indistinguishable from somebody with anxiety disorder. Okay? The solution to not getting enough rest is not to caffeinate more. No matter what anyone tells you, it's not to add more caffeine to your diet. It's to take a break, take a day off, and get some rest. That's God's solution, not caffeine. I mean, some people think, well, God put the caffeine here, and so this is what he wanted for me. No, he commanded a day of rest. He didn't command you to drink a lot of caffeine. See, he doesn't want our jobs to cause us to be triggered, and so he says, look, rest. Some of you maybe haven't even taken a vacation in a couple of years. You need to take a vacation. You need to take some time off, and you're saying, I can't afford that. Okay, what, I don't know what your idea of a vacation is, but just don't go to work for a few days. Take a few days off and stay at home, do stuff around here. You don't have to spend a ton of money to actually get rest and take some time off. Rest and do what you want to do. And I'm sure that by now, people are saying to themselves, that all sounds nice and pretty, but that's not going to change my job. Even if I see it as a ministry and come as a royal priest every day, even if I'm thankful for it and I take my days off and get my rest, it's not going to change where I work. You're right. That's not going to change where you work. So there are two things that I want to say to that. And the first one is this. If your job is causing you to be triggered all the time, maybe it's time for you to find a different job. Why do I say that? Because sometimes God, many times God uses those hard and difficult situations and circumstances to get our attention to move us on. Because here's the deal. We don't like change in this room. Okay, people do not like change. They just want things to go on the way they were. Wherever, whatever, you know, whatever they say, whatever, wherever you were a teenager at, whatever decades you were a teenager at, that's where you want to live for the rest of your life. And I can understand that because the 80s may have been the greatest decade ever. All right. Thank you. We don't like change. I mean, this is what happened with the Israelites when they were in Egypt. See, they were in slavery. They were in bondage. They were being treated like garbage. And no matter what Moses did, 
The people just didn't want to follow him. It took 10 plagues before they finally said, okay, Moses, we're with you. Let's get out of here. And then as soon as they left and everything wasn't perfect, they started complaining and said, maybe we should go back. Okay? God was using the unbearable conditions for the Israelites to get them to move on and to change. And many times in our life, God puts us in unbearable conditions to get us to change. And so some of you, what may need to happen in order for your job to stop triggering you so much is you just may need to change jobs. It did. Because ain't nobody want to change, Maurice. Maurice. Think, how many of you were, uh, went to monster.com during that time and said, let me start my search right now. All right. Then the second thing I would say is this. It doesn't matter if I change jobs. It doesn't matter what happens. People just bring it out in me. So le- let me understand this. Your boss, your coworkers, your job control you. They dictate the response that you have in life. See, because what we're saying when we say that is we're saying the boss made me do it. You made me do that. You made me angry. You made this situation happen. What we're saying is that they control who we are and our response in situations. It's not true. Nobody has control over us like that unless we let them. Yesterday I was driving on South Florida. For some reason, everyone on the road wanted to drive 35 when the speed limit was 45. See? And I had a choice here. I had a choice. I could either get ticked off at this or I could go with the flow. I got ticked off. I got really ticked off. (laughs) Dana said to me, what is your problem? So if your job, if your boss, if your coworkers are triggering you, my suggestion is to stop letting them control you. They can only do that if we let them. We have to make the choice to allow what they say, to allow their actions, to allow their behaviors affect us. How about we make the decision to stop letting them do that? Is it easy? No, absolutely not. Because it doesn't matter who we are. I mean, we all have things that irritate us and agitate us, right? Slow drivers. You know, I got that one. A messy house. That'll trigger me too. Okay? I mean... We've got these things that will get under our skin, but the choice on whether or not we react to it and allow it to trigger us is up to us. And so what all of this means here at the end is this. If we want something different in our job, if we want to stop getting triggered, it means we're going to have to change. 
but wait a minute, I want God to change everything else out here. I want God to change the people. I want God to change the circumstances. I want God to change the situation. I don't want God to change me. That's all God really cares about. He's looking at you and saying, I want to make you different. I want to make you better. I want to develop things in your life. And the only way that we develop things in our lives is getting challenged. I mean, the Bible tells us that God is trying to develop certain things in us. They're called the, the, the fruits of the Spirit. It's found in, in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. And it says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So do you want to know how these characteristics are developed in you? How God develops love in us is by putting us with a person or people that we have a hard time loving. How God develops joy in us is by putting us in situations in life where we have no joy and we have to tap into joy to get joy inside of us. That's how God develops peace in us, patience. I always tell people, pray for me to have patience. I always tell them, do not pray that prayer. Why not? Well, because here's what's going to happen. God is going to put you in all kinds of situations where your patience is going to be tried and tested and say, make it through this one. Okay? And so what you're actually praying is, make my life more challenging. But that is what God is doing a lot of times in situations like at our job, especially with other people. See, God is working and moving in us to bring about the fruits of the Spirit in our life. And the only way those fruits of the Spirit come about is if he puts us in situations where our patience is tested, where we're tempted to be triggered. And he says to us, okay, we're going to go through this situation and we're going to try and find different ways to deal with it other than the ways that you have been dealing with it so that we can work this love, this joy, this peace, this patience, this kindness, this goodness, this gentleness, faithfulness, and self self-control out in your life. See, God changes us in and through all of that. So if you're praying for God to change the people and the circumstances of your job and you are getting triggered, a way to calm the situation down, maybe to allow whatever it is he is trying to develop in you, develop and quit trying to get everything and everyone else around you to change. We live our lives as a royal priest. Wherever we're at, whatever we're doing, wherever we're going, we're thankful for the position that we have and the place that we have, and we take our time away and rest. But we also remember that sometimes God may be moving us on, but ultimately God is in this to change us and transform us so that we can manifest and show and reflect the fruits of the Spirit in our life. See, that's what God is doing through you. In all of those situations, as long as you're looking at the situations that trigger you and you're saying to yourself, God, what can I learn in this? God, how can I learn something in this situation? He's going to continue to develop those things in you. See, when we get frustrated and angry is when we don't look at it from God's perspective and God's eyes and say, what is God doing in this? But instead we look at everybody else and say, why are you doing this to me? It's God moving and working in you. Allow him to do his work in you. 
So let's pray this morning. Thank you for joining us on the FAM Church podcast. FAM Church is here to connect people to Christ. If you live in or are visiting the Lakeland, Florida area, we would love for you to join us on Sundays at 1030 a.m. You can also check us out online at myfamchurch.com. Thank you again and have an amazing day.